it's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. And before I even begin, I'd like to ask a favor, and that would be for you to leave a review or click a few stars. Let me know what you're thinking by leaving a comment. The only way people get better is with reviews, so I can learn and earn your trust and your ears. I've got a topical issue today, something I saw online for the uh, Today Show in Freeport, Illinois. This is about a smaller high school. Now, they have been doing this traditionally for three generations, and I'm about to explain what it is. You know, when we were growing up, we would go to the prom, right? That's what we called it. Nowadays, kids call it prom. There is no more the. (laughs) I don't get it, but whatever. So this particular high school that I'm going to talk to you about, they're very non-traditional when it comes to choosing their dates for prom. In other words, we're used to a situation where a boy will ask a girl out or a girl might even ask a boy out to go to prom. But it's a very, very eventful, memorable night. It's something you remember for the rest of your life. Well, this school has taken it upon themselves, like I said, for the last three generations, where all the girls' names are put on pieces of paper into a bowl or a hat, and then all the boys reach into the hat and pull out a name to be their date for prom. So it's sort of like you're going out on a blind date for prom. But the point of the story is no one is left behind. I think it's fantastic. No, it doesn't mean it'll work everywhere, but this is a smaller high school. Everybody is friends with everybody. Imagine what a wonderful time it might be to be somebody's date at the prom, but also be able to dance with whoever you want because you're all just friends. It would eliminate bullying. It would eliminate feeling left out. That god-awful feeling when you're choosing sides for basketball and you're the only one left. All of that is pushed to the side, and the kids collectively get together, throw this event, and enjoy themselves. Would you mind stopping and just taking a minute and going to the iTunes page and just click a star if you like what you're hearing, or leave me a review? It's Sugar Mom on Audioboom and iTunes. Continuing on, it also reminds me a little bit of schools that kids wear uniforms instead of choosing their own clothing. Some people think that's horrible. I happen to think it's a fantastic idea because it eliminates all the stress from one kid trying to be better than the next kid or one kid you know, flaunting what he has and the other is frothing at the mouth because she wants to look and dress fashionably where her parent may not be able to afford it. All of these things, these ideas are for the greater good. I just don't believe it means they're going to grow up as sheltered individuals. I think it just instills this stronger backbone in these kids. They appreciate originality. They appreciate being able to make their own choices, but they find ways to make choices other than in what they wear. Nothing materialistic steps in the way of making a good choice for a good college. They don't have to worry about money for clothing. They can use that money to pay a student loan to go to the college they choose to go to because their sense of morality is stronger. These kids at the dance, 
They are accepting of each other, no matter who they pick. And to even add more to the pot, the boys, after they choose the girl that they're going with, get together and do this little play, like a skit, for all of the girls, as a gesture of "Look at us, we are your dates," and they do it in such a way that it's loads of fun. Imagine not having to worry about what you wear. Imagine not having to worry about whether you're going to be asked to the prom. What they said is, it's a tradition that began at a Catholic school all the way back in 1926, and it was a way to be able to include kids that lived in an orphanage across the street from the school who would never have had a chance to go to prom otherwise. And I bet you're asking yourself, well, what if there's an odd number? Well, what they do is they bring up a junior to even it out. No one is left behind, and the best part is, every year these kids are asked. All the seniors are asked the same question: Do you want to participate in this type of prom dating? And it's unanimous. They all say yes. Even students with regular boyfriends or girlfriends participate, and then the prom turns into more of a group activity than a romantic date. You see? Let me know your opinion. Right here on iTunes or Audio Boom, you can leave a comment right there. Also, I would love very much if you would leave a review or click a star just to let me know you like what you're hearing. You're listening to Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom, talking about having your date chosen for you when going to prom. Now, after looking at this article and thinking to myself, I am of the mindset that I agree with this mentality. I agree with. Taking the pressure off your kids for a very special night, I looked at a poll that the Today article offered, and 83% of the people that read this article disagreed. 17. I'm in the percentage of 17 that love the idea, where most of the people are saying we have to quit protecting our kids from failure. Failure is how you learn. Well, I agree with that too, but every once in a while. With all the life lessons that these kids have lived through to get to the age of eighteen, especially in the world that we've created for them, with artists and singers and people that are half dressed, with shows on TV that are such bad representations of what they're supposed to be, like Teen Mom, you know, or The Jersey Shore. How about Dance Moms, the epitome of bullying? There's such a bad indication of what life is supposed to be about. They've had an uphill battle their whole lives with this kind of thing. So why can't we reach out collectively as adults and allow them to have one break? Don't sit at home on prom night. Let everybody have a chance at having the time of their life for one night. They'll get knocked down at least a hundred thousand more times by the time they're sixty. Why can't we give a little so that they can get more, just for one night? And there is nothing worse than bullying. These kids, the ones that bully, shame on them. How can you possibly find pleasure and joy out of making somebody else feel small and insignificant? To grow up in that way and be that kind of person 
let's put it this way. I'm the kind of woman that would really like to meet that child's parent. And to be the one who's bullied, maybe because they wear braces or they have glasses or they have a speech impediment or maybe they dressed the wrong way one time and were labeled because of it, to live the life of someone who is being bullied, honestly, I don't know which is worse in the greater scheme, to be the bully or to be the bullied. I've seen it with my own kids where they were bullied. I was bullied as a kid. And sure, we can make the most of it and grow up to be stronger individuals because we recognize that we were weak when we were young. We didn't know how to fit in. We hadn't found our niches back then. So, you know, in the long run, karma becomes a a huge factor in everything because as we grow, as we learn, we also become people that protect other people against what we have gone through. So yes, there is some good that comes out of it if you have been bullied. But this is just one small episode, one night, that these kids can be themselves not worry about who's wearing what or who's asked who or who said what to who when. No gossip. It's controlled. And every once in a while, an 18-year-old needs boundaries. I'll tell you what, more than every once in a while, kids need boundaries all the time. It makes them feel secure, safe, happy. And while speaking of bullying, there's one other category I didn't mention. The bully, the bullied, and the one who watches the bully and does nothing to help the bullied. I think that's got to be the worst out of all. How do you live with yourself if you watch somebody bully someone else and you say nothing? How do you sleep at night? As a young child, or even as a teen, I can understand it because they're afraid if they say something, the bully will then strike out at them. And nobody wants to be the victim of a bully. But the sooner we teach our kids to open their mouths and say what they see, the better this world will become for them. More doors will open. Even if our children are adults at this point, it's not too late to teach them not to look the other way. Once you're a parent, you're in it for life, right? If you are a kid, you are always the child. I don't care if you're 55. If your parents are still alive, they're still going to be trying to teach you things. (laughs) You know it. So to this day, I do talk to my kids all the time about bullying. And I ask them, if ever you see something, you don't step back, do you? And they all say no. They all step in. And yes, it can be dangerous. And yes, it could put them in harm's way. But at the end of the day, when they go to bed at night, they're going to sleep and they're going to be happy with themselves and feel proud and good about who they are. And I feel good as a parent knowing that I've taught my children to do this because they will, in turn, teach their children and so on. And maybe that's what happened at this small high school in Freeport, Illinois. For three generations, the parents of the kids, of the kids of the kids, all maintained this tradition for prom. 
And they have other dances during the year that they do choose their date, but they specifically leave this tradition in place for prom because they want everyone to be included. I think it's beautiful. What do you think? You know, I would really so love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. You know, let me know if you like what you're hearing. Or go to Audioboom, write me a note. Tell me what you think about this subject. Would you want your child to go to a high school that picks your child's prom date? How do you feel? Your opinion matters a lot to me. As the mom of a child, would you want your child's date chosen for them to go to prom? Would you be okay? And are you the parent of a child who is always left behind, always left out? This is an opportunity for your child to fit right in and be as comfortable as everybody else. All for one, one for all. It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. As mentioned, feel free to leave a review, click a little star or two, leave a comment on iTunes or Audioboom. I would love to hear from you. Coming up, I want to talk about a very serious subject, which involves our parents. I'm Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. This is a very hard subject to discuss. It's about our parents. When do we ever stop being the children? (laughs) When you think about it, it's always the parents. And depending upon the type of relationship you had with your mom and dad growing up, makes the difference as to what kind of child you become later in life. Really, think about it. I had the greatest mom when I was young. Little girl. My sister, too. She'd take us to the library every day. We'd be able to take as many books out as we wanted. There was no limit. She taught us how to color, how to outline, how to color in brilliant jewel tones, not just faded colors that look like watercolors. She taught us to stand up for ourselves, be passionate, never take no for an answer if there's a reason behind why it could work. She taught us to be proud of ourselves and not to have to wait for somebody else to say so. (laughs) All these things. And then the older we got, the worse she became. And during my teen years, It was just, to me, a nightmare. My father was no picnic either, I'll tell you. But the sad part about this whole thing is it took me getting to be her age now to understand why she was so miserable to us then. It wasn't us, her children, that she hated or didn't like or resented. It was her marriage. It was her spot in life. It was her poor decisions. She was mad at herself for making all the wrong choices and letting herself be stuck there. I guess that's what grew this sugar mom concept in my head. I absolutely refused to let myself be in the position that my mom allowed herself to wind up in. 
Not that my dad was a bad guy. I mean, he was a great dad when I was young. In fact, he favored me probably more than my mom. That doesn't do very much for a relationship between mother and daughter. It happens. But looking back and watching all the craziness that went on between them, the non-demonstrative nothing, never did I hear the words, I love you, whispered between the two of them. I don't even think they ever had sex. And they were young. I mean, they had sex twice. But I think that's it. And it's not just me, that young child, not wanting to know. I really believe this. And I think that's why she was so angry. I just don't think they were a match sexually. So this brings me to the crux of this conversation. Can you honestly say, if you did not come from that Partridge family background or that June Cleaver, leave it to Beaver (laughs) background. And there were discrepancies in your family, hardships, emotional hardships. The older we get, I don't think our parents get any better. I think they get worse. I think with me, it got to the point where I had just thrown my hands up in the air and said, enough already. I just can't take it. I just couldn't take it. And I would find myself dreading when the phone would ring and I would see my mom or my dad's name pop up because I was never good enough. Never. I never felt like I measured up. Even as an adult, I never let my kids know this because amazingly, my dad was the best grandpa ever. (laughs) Go figure. My mom, you know, she didn't come visit as often as most grandmothers would. And if and when she did bless us with her existence in person, she would put locks around the house so that nobody could leave. She held court. <laughs> that did not go over well. <laughs> but but I'm just saying, it's it's just not easy as they get older. Or maybe it's just not easy as we get older. Or maybe the whole concept just doesn't work. Oh, I don't mean to sound like a spoiled brat because I know that I gained many, many things from both that are positives, But I think a lot of the positive was my own strength and my own need for survival. You know, I would really love to hear what you feel about this topic. What kind of relationship did you have with your mom or your dad? Leave me a comment on Audioboom or iTunes. Leave me a review if if you're enjoying what I'm talking about weekly. Or maybe just click a couple stars. However many you feel are worthy of the podcast, it helps me to understand what it is that you like to listen to or like to share. So here I sit talking about both parents who are deceased. And I don't really think that I have mourned properly for either of them. 
And I see my mom when I look at myself in the mirror. And I see my dad's face as I say the wrong thing. Because he used to always tell me my mouth was going to get me in trouble one day. And, you know, so what? Oh, maybe it did. But who cares? All I know is I did not mourn properly. I was the executor for both of their estates. There wasn't anything left. It was a lot of grief. Let me just warn you now. Have your parents do a little foresight and take care of things beforehand to take some of that weight off of your shoulders. And I know it's not an easy subject to bring up with your folks, but maybe you could just pull it off because it doesn't give you time to mourn when you are trying to take care of their estate. And by the time you're done, depending upon how badly the estate was left in, you're so exhausted and burnt out from thinking as you're cleaning up about all the years that things just didn't go well and the feelings that you were never able to gain that closure from. So when you're done and it takes weeks and you look around and you see there's really nobody else to help you and even if there was, if you're like me, you're going to do it by yourself. Because nobody else will do it the way you want it done. And it's your own fault if you're like me because, hey, I don't want to look back and see a frayed or loose end that I didn't tuck away properly because those are the little things that will bother me for the rest of my life. So here I sit today, very honestly speaking. Some of you may call me disgusting. Some of you may say... What's wrong with her? How can she possibly say these things? But I do say, I have fleeting moments where I miss my parents. Fleeting. But not as many as I should. I feel relief. I feel, after all the mess was cleaned up with both of them, and no, you don't know the circumstances and... I'm really not a bad person, and no, they didn't do horrific things to me, but the circumstances were so draining. It wasn't just about losing a loved one or losing a parent. There was so much more involved that by the time it was all over, I was relieved. The weight had been lifted off of my shoulders, and I wonder how many people out there can admit to the same thing. How do you take care of your parent for so many years when they become infantile and you become the adult? How it's role reversal when, when they're sick. Don't you feel a drop of relief after they pass? Because it's physically exhausting, let alone mentally exhausting. I don't know. What did my mom used to say? You're too big for your britches. And my dad used to say, You and that mouth of yours. <laughs> well, I got it both from them. And my kids have gotten it all from me. So there's five mini-me's out there that are probably going to grow up and talk about me and 
their father exactly the same way. I could just hear them now. Oh, my God, she was so frickin' high maintenance. Oh, my God, he was the most stubborn man that could never let go of a grudge. <laughs> oh, as long as I can keep it in that perspective and laugh about it, just don't let me see them do it to me now while I'm living. <laughs> Maybe this is just one of the stages of grief. <laughs> where I'm still not grieving. It's a stage of the grief. I need to go back and look that up. I think it might be called denial. (laughs) If you are empathizing, sympathizing, relating to this podcast, my name is Robin Marshall, also Sugar Mom. Please leave a comment, you know, anything that you feel about what I'm saying right there on iTunes or Audioboom or maybe give me a review, offer a couple stars if you like it, or if you don't, tell me. That's the only way I can improve what I do. Anyway, I just wondered if any of you felt the same way about your situation or your parents. It's not always about fun and games with me. It's not always about sex. It's not always about seduction. I just talk about things that are in my heart, in my brain, and subsequently on my tongue. (laughs) That's me. I'm Robin Marshall, and it was really nice to air this today, literally and figuratively. I feel like I aired a lot, and I feel better. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Also, feel free to go to my website, sugarmom.net. There are blogs, there are pictures, there are stories, there are quizzes, a lot of fun things along with the podcast that you're able to listen to. Thanks again. Don't forget my book chapters come out on Thursdays, The Diary of a Sugar Mom, a seductive, steamy, introspective look at a woman with multiple children that makes you think to yourself, How far would you go to make ends meet to keep your children safe when you're out of a job? If you haven't listened yet, go back and download chapters one through six and get yourself caught up. It's a pretty hot story. Talk to you again. It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. Westwood One Podcast Production.